we live in a tension. It's a tension between the uncertainty of life and the certainty of death. Our mortality and frailty over the past four years has been brought home in harrowing and profound ways. Seven million people have died in the last four years through a global health pandemic. One million alone in the United States. One million funeral processions down Main Street as car after car followed a casket. And just as things were starting to ease from the virus around two years ago, the world was confronted again in February of 2022 with the threat of death from another type of enemy to human life. Violence and destruction at the hands of a power-hungry dictator with no regard for freedom or human rights. And then this year, we have all watched in horror as conflict and violence has escalated in the Holy Land. One year ago on this date, I was in Jerusalem, seeing all of the sights of our ancestors in the faith, and within a matter of months from coming home, we watched as the news unfolded of this violence between Israelis and Palestinians, Palestinians and Israelis. And on this Ash Wednesday, I think it's important for us to stand in solidarity with the innocent Palestinians and Israelis who were caught in the midst of this long suffering 90% of the Holy Land's Christians live in the Palestinian territories. When we say Palestine, we often think it's synonymous with those of radical jihadism, but the truth of the matter is Palestine is home to Bethlehem, to the living stones of our faith, the Christians who have remained in the Holy Land generation after generation after generation. And tonight, as we gather in worship, we must remember those Christians who occupy the land in which Jesus was born, whose foreheads, cities, streets, and homes are marked with the ashes of war. The truth of the matter is we don't want to consider the possibility or let alone face the reality that life for each of us can change in an instant. And yet that's the truth that Ash Wednesday holds before us. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. These reminders of mortality and the frailty of life marked by immense suffering are all around us. You could fill the oceans twice over with the teardrops of the marginalized, the poor, the meek, those whose entire lives have known injustice and cruelty. 
We live in a tension between the uncertainty of this life and the certainty of death. But the truth is, we work really hard at denying, ignoring, forgetting, outrunning, and trying to overcome these twin realities, but they are always present to us in the same way the ashes with which we will be marked in a matter of minutes were already a part of and present in the branches that we carried last year on Palm Sunday. What's that like for you? In what ways have those two realities, the uncertainty of this life and the certainty of death, made themselves known in your life this year? Maybe the reminder of your mortality comes through more ordinary means, feelings of loneliness, depression, isolation, an aging body and the feelings of grief that come when you can no longer do what you once were able to do so easily. Or maybe it's the sudden illnesses and accidents that find us. Somehow they find us. And they remind us how easily and quickly life can change. Pandemics and wars and global suffering leave us wondering where, when, who will be next. Hurricanes, wildfires, natural disasters, threats of school shootings are all reminders of the uncertainty of life. We have cemeteries all around our cities that remind us and stand as monuments to our mortality. And if you've ever sifted the ashes of your life, then surely you've wondered where it's gone and where might it be going. So what do we do with that? How do we live with the uncertainty of life and the certainty of death? As much as we might want to escape those twin realities, we cannot. Nothing we can do will change or prevent them. And what if just naming and facing those realities is the first step in taking back our lives? That's what this day, Ash Wednesday, is all about. We mark ourselves with the ashes of mortality and human weakness. We remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And while it's easy for us to go home and wash off the ashes, deep inside we know the truth that remains. Life is fragile. Life is precious. Life is fleeting. So it would be easy at this point to toss up our hands, to surrender to the uncertainty of life, to lay down before the certainty of death and declare that nothing matters. It's all in vain to become cynical or hopeless or jaded or closed off or bitter or resentful or just a little bit angry at the world. But that's not what this day is about. There is more to life than that. What if 
we are marked with the ashes for the exact opposite reason. The ashes of this day do not mark us as a declaration that it's all vanity and nothing matters. Rather, the ashes proclaim that everything matters. The ashes remind us of God's great promise. For it is God alone who transforms the cross of Christ's death. And if God can do that, then God can and will transform the ashes that we wear. You see, there is nothing inconsequential to God, nothing. Everything matters. Every life, every person, without exception, every breath matters. Every word we speak, every action we take, every choice we make, they matter. They make a difference and they carry consequences. Every person in our life, every relationship, every moment matters. There's nothing that doesn't matter to God. There's nothing wasted with our God. We do not remember that we are dust and that life is short to sit in the midst of our despair. Don't confuse it, church. We remember that we are dust and life is short so that we can go on living with greater intention and greater purpose, fueled by the promise of the resurrection that Christ has defeated death once and for all. What if it's about remembering and reclaiming our treasures that Jesus speaks about in Matthew chapter 6 that I read from moments ago? What if it's about re-treasuring the things that, and the people that we've forgotten? Retreasuring the things that we've taken for granted, ignored, devalued, or set aside? I know this isn't how we normally think of Lent, And it might not even normally be how you hear Matthew chapter 6. More often than not, we focus in life on what's wrong and how we've taken hold of the wrong treasures, how our hearts are in the wrong places. And believe me, this happens to all of us. (laughs) But it's not just dictators who invade countries or religious wars that have gone on for thousands of years that are at the heart of the problem. It's inside each of us. As the Apostle Paul wrote, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want us to come at Lent a little bit differently this year. I want us to look for and reclaim what's right. I want us to re-treasure the things of our life that are of ultimate importance, the people and things that are of infinite value, worth more than money, prestige, position, power. Maybe it's failing to value. Maybe failing to value is what lies behind the pain the brokenness, the dysfunction, and the violence that too often fills our lives in the world. Maybe failing to value is the sin from which we need to turn away. So answer for yourself tonight. Who 
or what are the treasures that hold your heart? What are the hopes, the dreams, the values that are worth living for in your life? What is of ultimate importance to you? Maybe it's the practices that have taken you deeper into the life of Christ. Maybe it's values that you hold for yourself, the values by which you recognize yourself. And when you live into those values, you know you are living from your truest, most integrated, most authentic self. Maybe it's the qualities that brought wholeness and integrity to your life. Maybe it's the things that keep you showing up day after day, despite your pain despite your questions, despite your doubt. Maybe it's the things that actually nourish your life and strengthen your relationships. So what if we took this Lenten season as a time to do just that, to revalue, to revalue people and relationships, to revalue justice and compassion, to revalue love, forgiveness, beauty, art? What if we were to reclaim those and a thousand other things like them as the treasures of our life that they truly are so that we could live a fully integrated life of discipleship, knowing that the daily choices we make either produce life for ourselves and others or diminish it? I know it's easy to forget those values, to lose them, to take them for granted or just set them aside. The busyness of life, the distractions, the sensationalism on our televisions, our sorrows and losses, our pain and wounds, our fears, they can all make us forget what really matters. But God persists. So together... Let's reclaim our lives and retreasure what has intimate, infinite value. What would it look like in practical ways for you to reclaim the center of what gives you life? You see, as disciples of Jesus, our values should not, cannot exist apart from what God values and cares about in the world. Scripture tells us that God values that which neither moth nor rust consume and which thieves cannot break in and steal. So this year, this year, let us remember the example of Jesus. Next week, we will read, this weekend, we'll read our famous passage as we begin the season of Lent, of Jesus driven into the wilderness, tempted for 40 days by Satan, Tempted with these temptations of appetite, ambition, approval, the devil will lead him to a high place and offer him all the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus knows that rust and moth will slowly but surely take it all away. And we will once again remember the cycle of his life leading to the great three days and the pinnacle moment where Jesus, upon a cross, cries out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Maybe Jesus didn't feel like forgiving. 
but he was revaluing and remembering what God values. Forgiveness. Love. Hope. So this year, as ashes are marked on your forehead, may you remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. But may you not walk away sorrowful or mournful or fearful because it's all fleeting. May you walk away encouraged and fired up and fueled up knowing that everything matters, including the person in the mirror, especially the person in the mirror. And may you wear them, not just today, but may you wear that cross upon your forehead, the spot that you were marked with in baptism with great intention. And so through, and, and, and so through doing, reclaim your heart and reclaim your life for where your treasure is. There, your heart will be. Amen.